night is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we have no place to go, let it go, let it go, let it go. Hey, this is Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundance Success Series. Find us on Facebook at Building Abundance Success. As you can hear, we're in the holiday spirit with Landau Eugene Murphy, Jr. To find out more about him, go to his website, LandauMurphyJr.com. We have an awesome interview coming up for you, starting right now. Landau Murphy, Jr., welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I've heard about your story, and I love your music. And I'm really happy you're here. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I wanted you to tell the audience who you are, what you do, and uh, for those people who do not know. Uh, if you do not know, I am Landau Eugene Murphy, Jr., winner of America's Got Talent, Season 6, 2011. Uh, right now, I'm currently on tour. I wrote my book, and I'm working on my third CD. So right now, I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving, and I hope you all are, too. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving, and it's a blessing to have you here this week. What was your life like before the whole America's Got Talent? Um, I was born in a small town called uh, Logan, West Virginia, um, in 1974. But um, by the time I was, say, 11 years old, my mom and dad split up, and my mom moved me to Detroit, so I grew up like my teenage years in Michigan, in Detroit, Michigan, on the west side of Detroit, Michigan. Um, I, I did various jobs, you know, from shoe stores to clothing stores to construction to restaurants, things like that. But my biggest love was washing cars, so I'm a good car detailer. <laughs> <laughs> And um and that's basically what I was doing, but you know I I kind of picked up the uh, a gift of just singing a uh, great American songbook music, and um it was just to uh, keep my friends from arguing on the basketball court or fighting in the in the hood. <laughs> mm-hmm. They they thought it was hilarious, but um you know a couple of my bosses you know from Chrysler and things like that thought it was fascinating, and they would take me to uh pubs around, you know, Michigan and things like that and have me sing for everybody. I think it was truly a blessing that I was never placed on YouTube during this whole thing. Well, that's wonderful. Um, yes, and it, and, it, and it benefits me right now, you know, because when I went on America's Got Talent, no one expected what they saw. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but uh, my journey was you know, kind of hard. I, I got to the point where I was homeless, you know, and uh, I just kept pulling, you know, kept uh, pushing and um, kept dreaming, and I just never gave up, and I went on America's Got Talent. Right. Not not even uh, thinking to win in a contest, just wanting someone to see me, you know, maybe I could have got a job on a cruise ship or something. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, in a restaurant somewhere singing, so... As far as I thought of it, but you know, God works in mysterious ways, and he he uh, he let me uh, win the whole competition. You know, and my state pulled for me. You know, people around the world pulled for me, and and now I'm touring. You know, and living my dreams every day. That's wonderful. Now, 
when you were at your lowest, um, you said that you uh, went from marching cars to actually being homeless. What, because I believe everybody goes through seasons in life. What are some of the things that you learned from that time of washing cars, being homeless, and having those types of challenges to now winning? What are some of the key things that you learned that help you to keep going? Because many people, they can fall back on excuses or, you know, anything for not keeping, you know, moving forward. Well, first of all, I just believe that I have too much pride to, uh, you know, show pity for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't... I didn't want to ever give up. I just had a lot of obstacles in my way, you know, gang violence, all kind of things. But I don't, I, I take all of that in stride. Like, all the hardships in my life, I felt like they made me who I am. So I'm not mad at any moment of it. I'm not mad that I was homeless. I think being homeless gave me my humility. It gave me, you know, my humbleness. It was just, it was everything that I needed to, to move forward. You know, and and not get caught up in all the material things in the world. That's why I don't. I mean, I want a million dollars, but if you looked at me, you wouldn't think it. You know, or if you seen my lifestyle, you wouldn't think it. And I'm, and I think that that was a blessing, you know, from God. Everything that He put me through, He kept me strong enough to get through it. I don't think He's going to give me anything that I can't handle. And um, I thank Him for it, for every bit of it, every cold night sleeping in my car on the bridge every every meal missed that's beautiful in your lifestyle now because you say that uh, uh, and I've read that you like to keep your life as normal as possible and you are thanking God uh, tell the to viewers, you know, really about your faith, you know, and what you believe, because not very many people, and I'm not saying everybody needs to believe the same, but that evidently brought you through. When was that the, the major realization? Um, my belief is, you know, God is within us all. They say we were all made in God's image, you know, mm-hmm. and I believe that. I believe, you know, that he speaks to us through our guts, through our instincts, through, um, you know, just common sense, and... I tend to pay attention a, a lot to that. You know, I don't, I'm not in church every day. So I'm not going to sit and say that I do go to church every day. Because I would be telling you a big, huge lie. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. So, I mean, but I do take the time to speak to God every day. And He speaks to me. And one of the biggest moments in my life and the biggest conversation that I had with him was for me to get on a bigger stage. And that was at the time of my life where I had just got robbed. You know, things weren't looking good for me. I wasn't working. My band had fell apart. And I was basically just at rock bottom. I didn't know what to do. And God plainly spoke to me in clear English like you just need to get on the bigger stage you've been doing this since you were three years old entertaining and making people laugh and singing and dancing so why aren't you on that big stage and then I was questioning that like what big stage I mean what do you do well how do I get there mm-hmm. and right at that moment on my mother-in-law's TV screen Howie Mandel came on the TV screen 
And he was asking the question, are you the next one of America's Got Talent? Do you have what it takes to headline your own show in Vegas? Are you our next million-dollar grand prize winner? And I was just like, that is the show right there. (laughs) I mean, this is exactly what happened. And it it sent the cold chill up my spine. I mean, I never really, oh, my goodness. That moment was just so so vivid for me and I knew at that moment that something great was about to happen I just didn't know what it was and so when I went on the show that's why I couldn't celebrate or or be super excited about you know eliminating anyone mm-hmm. you know and a lot of people was like he's so humble he's so I mean I just I felt like you know I was taking something away from them also so mm-hmm. I mean my heart was speaking to me at that time but at the same time I already knew what God had in store for me whether it was winning that show or just going on and, and being you know a big icon in this entertainment world or, or in the music business and that's what I'm destined to do right now I feel and I feel like I'm I need to also make sure that I take care of that responsibility you know, as far as passing the music on to the kids and, and, and giving great, bringing back great memories for all the grandparents of the world. I mean, this is their music and, and I don't ever want to ruin it. So I just want to make it evolve into a place where great grandkids and great grandparents are listening to the same music and they all got on the headphones bobbing to that same beat, you know, and that's family. Amen. You that's got family. that. Yes, I love your music. I love your voice. When did you really get into the classics? When did you have you always been that way? Uh yeah, just clowning around really. I, I think we were all placed in classics. If you sit in front of television any time in your life and you, you watch uh Bugs Bunny, you like classic music. Because mm-hmm. cause every scene in a Bugs Bunny uh, cartoon is big band music. It's big band right. classical themed music. And um, right now you can go in your room, lay down in your bed, and close your eyes, put it on the Cartoon Channel Network or whatever it's called. And if Bugs Bunny is on, you would know what cartoon it is just by the sounds that you hear. Right. It's not even a visual thing. It's because you know the music, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that was a big part of my life growing up, and I just never realized it until you start paying attention to it, you know. And then the 90s, well, I could say from far as 1983 is when I really got a kick out of it all because um, they gave a shout-out to Nat King Cole on Motown 25th anniversary. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, you remember that? And that was with Joe Actually, Cocker. I don't. It was uh-huh. Joe Cocker, uh, Patti LaBelle, uh, Luther Vandross, Michael Jackson. That's when Michael Jackson first did the moonwalk on television. Now, I've seen bits and pieces, but I'll go yeah. back and review that. But if you go back and review that, that particular episode, they gave a shout-out. I think it was a Lifetime Achievement or, or some type of an award to Nat King Cole. And they right. played the video of him singing Mona Lisa. Now, Mona Lisa, wow. is my, that's my mom's name. Wow. Yeah, my mom's name is Mona Lisa Murphy, and and then my little brother would uh just you know sing the song to her Mona Lisa, <laughs> and she hated it because she said she used to get teased in school from it all the time. 
you know, but um, that was the first glimpse that I had of of of, of a uh, of a kroner. You know, it was Nat King Cole, and he was just so laid back and so calm. I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know, right now kids call it swag, and it's it's, it's something that they had way before we even knew what that was. You know, before we even gave it a name, they already had it, and um. Mm-hmm. That kind of like turned me on to it, and then I started seeing the net, the the Dean Martins, and I started paying attention to the Bing Crosby's because Bing Crosby was every Christmas. You know that what? every time, every Christmas as a kid, that's all I was heard was Dick Van Dyke, Bing Crosby, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Andy Williams. That's, that's what you heard, you know, but you didn't pay attention to it because it, you just was waiting on that Christmas present, you know. You didn't care about hearing the white Christmas song, but you knew when you heard it, it was time for you to get a present. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. You know, yeah. but once you get older and wiser and you start to realize all the whole Santa Claus thing, and, I mean, you just start paying attention to other stuff that that, that really matters. And um, mm-hmm. I just think um, when the um, 90s rolled around, uh Married with Children came on television. I would watch that and then Living Color. And um, Married with Children with Al Bundy, the theme song to that show was Love and Marriage. Mm-hmm. And so in the 90s, that's what I would be singing around the house, you know, or if I was <laughs> on a basketball court or something like that, I would be singing it to my friends, and they would just crack up from it. They thought it was the most hilarious thing that they ever heard because I sounded like that at, you know, 17, 18 years old. They, they just couldn't believe it, you know. So it was it was really fun, and it just kept me in a good mood. So I just kind of realized that it was feel good music, and I, that's what I wanted to do. So when I decided to actually go on America's Got Talent, I picked that genre because I wanted to give back to the grandparents of the world, and also wanted to show the generations to come after me what good music was all about. And plus, I wanted to give my state, a, uh, you know, represent my state the best way that I could, you know. Being from West Virginia, a black guy from West Virginia, you know, it's, you know, it's weird, but <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, you know, it's just amazing that, you know, the the music classics, they'll never go out of style, ever. Exactly. You know, people right. are going to love them forever. So don't stop singing, you know. Right. Um, your life has changed. No, personally, I know with all the hoopla around your success, how did you take it in the beginning? Uh, I took it in stride. I pretty much prepared myself for it mentally. And I just never, I, my my biggest thing is don't ever let it go to my head and change who I am. So my priorities are pretty much intact. Um, I'm, I'm been blessed, like I said, as far as, you know, all the nightclubs and all the things that I've done has never been placed on YouTube. And so when I went on that show, I still had my wow factor. But even done, but even now, my my talent, my God-given talent, because I've never had a trainer or anything, has has is carrying me into the future with this thing. And at the same time, I'm enjoying myself, and I'm old enough to see it all. You know, I'm 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 blessed that it didn't happen at 22 or or 17. You know, because I don't know what I would be doing right now. Um, but mine's kind of kicked off at 31, you know, with the realizing that I could go into any club and sing big band music, you know, and and, and get a standing ovation. Um, by the time I was 35, you know, my band was booming, and then it kind of split apart. So 
I had already had the whole stage thing down as far as performing in front of people. So that's why, you know, it was, it's, it's been basically like a cakewalk for me to just, just be 100% me. And, and, and that's the easiest thing in the world to do is just be yourself. So it's really not tough at all. It's just, it's fun. You know, I'm, I'm having a time of my life and I'm, I'm, I'm currently right now on tour with, uh, one of the temptations, one of the drifters and one of the platters, you know, people that my mom and dad listen to. And we've got a Christmas tour going on now. So yeah, some people in that audience, you know, my audience may know who the three are. Uh, you know, you mentioned temptations, drifters and what. Oh yeah. You can go to, you can also go to, uh, Landau. MurphyJr.com and keep up with all my current events and in every place that I'm going to be as far as this Christmas tour is concerned. And you can also look up his name. <laughs> but I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that um, because we just kicked off the tour here in Ripley, West Virginia, and um, he one of them wasn't there because he uh, got ill, and they replaced right. him. They replaced him with another Platters kid or. Mm-hmm. Or something like that, and and he was fantastic too. Mm-hmm. But um, I can't quite remember their names because they done switched them around on me. <laughs> right. But uh, I know Glenn Leonard and Joe Coleman is 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 into it, and they're they're on the list, and and we're doing great things, man, right now, and uh, we're giving them big band music plus the Motown greats and a lot of the platter uh, classics. I mean, it's it's. A, a fantastic show. If you want to bring your whole family out, everybody will be able to enjoy it. I mean, I still got my my comedy side of the whole thing, and <laughs> I'm just I'm really just having like so much fun. I, and the, the the great thing about this whole journey is that it's something that I always dreamed of, and I always pictured myself doing. It. And and now I'm actually learn earning a living from it. I'm able to, you know, I bought me a house. Um, I'm traveling, you know, and and just staying busy. You know, I'm on my way wow. to Shanghai. I'm on my way to Shanghai, China, and I just I just got back from California yesterday, doing my third CD at Capitol Studios. You know, that's where all the greats record at. So that's like my third time being in that building. And every time I go in there, it feels so brand new, and it's like my career's just starting over and over and over and over. And and I think that's the great part about it because God is—he's keeping me so spontaneous right now, and and I don't—I just can't thank Him enough. Well, yes, indeed. I'd like to ask you about your family life and how that has changed since you've gained success. I heard you met your wife before all of this. How did you all meet? Uh, my mom and her mom are actually best friends from childhood. So, uh, right? yeah. I've, I've known her basically all my life. We're, we're closer than, uh, you know, wife, husband and wife actually. So, I mean, I, she's just been there and I, I took her everywhere I, I went, you know. It's a lot of times she didn't want me to do this, but I just realized that we had to make a better life for us and, and, and I went for my dreams and I, I just kept going and, and, She's been through the whole thing with me, like um, standing there and uh, dealing with all the the pressures of videos and cameras and things like that. So, right. I mean, but uh, far as you know, my my family, everybody's doing great. You know, I just helped my brother get a house and I bought my sister a car, and my mom's doing fine. And I mean, just everything's good. I mean. 
beautiful. I don't get to see. I don't get to see them as much as I want to anymore because I'm always on the road. But um, everybody's just doing what they were doing before I did it. <laughs> you know? Well, some one of one of my pe- my guests was saying, "Well, they're they're so busy, but it's better than the alternative." Hmm? <laughs> right, right. You know. What do you see for uh, yourself? Say three to five years from now, what do you want to be doing? Uh, I really want to just. I want to be bringing more of the young kids into the genre and just doing some producing and probably some television and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as putting on shows and performing on stage, I would like to be doing it, raising money for people. Right. Or the homeless. Or like, I mean, just think, if we can like, if you can make a lot of money, what would you do? I mean, you can't spend it all because sooner or later you're going to die. You can't That's take right. it with you. That's right. So my thing would be, like, if I made $50 million, I would take 10 of it and probably put it in my bank account. Mm-hmm. I would take the other 40 and try to buy some prisons, right. these old abandoned prisons. Mm-hmm. And then I would put mailing address on each cell. And you don't have to lock the doors unless they just feel like locking them. But that's a place for homeless people to restart their lives. The only reason people are homeless, I realized the reason that I was homeless is that I didn't have a mailing address. Mm. You can't get your life in order if you have no mailing address. You can't get an ID. Mm-hmm. You can't receive mail. You can't. You can't. You can't even do job interviews or anything. That's right. But just think how many prisons they build in this world, and mm-hmm. then how many prisons that are abandoned. But we still have homeless people walking the streets. You've got now, major structures abandoned in major cities. They, people just it, walk off and leave big, multi-million dollar complexes. Exactly. Mike Tyson has three houses right now that's mansions. <laughs> uh-huh. Mansions that are like just abandoned, fully furnished, that he don't live in. Hmm. You know, but it's just because all the way his situation is tied up. I don't want to get into his business, but I'm just saying, for example. You know, but mm-hmm. just think how many prisons that are abandoned around the state. but. Mm-hmm. They're not even just giving it to the homeless. They could just give it to the homeless. Mm-hmm. You know, and put it, like I said, you can put a, a mailing address on each cell. They give mm-hmm. each prisoner a, a, a number, right? That's right. They give them a number. You become a number when you go to prison. Right. Why can't they do that to each cell? And just give everybody a mailing address and your mail comes in there. It's ran like a big place that rebuilds lives. And, mm-hmm. and that's called rehabilitation for real. Uh-huh. I mean, but a prisoner, he can go out and bust somebody in the head. <laughs> Guess what they give him? Guess what they give him? They give him three hot meals a day. He's get free health, dental benefits. He's get free education. Mm-hmm. And he's went out and killed somebody. Yeah. So, I mean, you tell me what's going on. <laughs> well, you know, you're right. and We're in the season now where, you know, you've got a lot of people who, you know, will be on the street. Uh, exactly. You'll have a lot of people also coming out serving the homeless, but usually it's after the holidays they're forgotten. Exactly, exactly. That everybody does it for publicity. Mm-hmm. They do it for a publicity stunt, and then when the season is over, okay, let's move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes a, a abused child, or or it becomes you know alcoholic or or drunk driving because it's it's a graduation season. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm just sick of the same. Dance. 
Mm-hmm. And then nothing is getting done. So that's where I see myself in the future. And I hope I live long enough to accomplish all those things and no crazy person shoots me in the head because of the way I think. <laughs> you know, but that, that's where I feel like I want to be. I want to be doing right. stuff like that. Philanthropic and helping reaching. And, and, and it gives back to you. You know, when you, when you reach out to help other people who are uh, less fortunate, because it could be any of us. You know, people think that, uh, you know, that doesn't apply to me. Like, it could be, you know, you just never know. So, yeah, I'm 100%. You realize China just just stopped. They don't want to stockpile U.S. dollars anymore. So what is that going to do? I just seen that on Facebook. Wow. Really? Yeah, because I'm on my way to Shanghai. I got a show in Shanghai, China coming up. And Mm -hmm. And then I got a message from one of my media people, like, did you see this? And I read this article, and it was saying that China is getting ready to stop stockpiling U.S. dollars. They don't want to keep stocking all this U.S. currency anymore. So what are they going to do with it? What's going to happen? Yeah. Now, that's a good question. That's a very good question. But it's good you're thinking outward to what you can do to help other people. I mean, that's what we're, I think we're all here for is to help other people. And exactly. To do, it, do it in a, a, a truthful and in a, in a pure way, you know. Right, and we all have that choice. You have that Most choice, definitely. man. And especially as an entertainer, you have that you have that responsibility to make that good choice because that microphone is such a powerful thing. And I feel like if we change the music, we change the world. I mean, if you got like bad hip hop going on, look what the nineties. Look what happened to the nineties when hip hop went crazy. Well, one of my when I earlier guests mentioned that same thing. Uh, you know, bringing back real music, positive music, positive vibes. Yeah, you, you know, because it does it affects it affects people, and it and it's also affected generations. That's and right, that's generations exactly. It, the last exactly. two to three generations have been raised on. Well, it used to be rap and other things. You know, it started out positive message music. Yeah, it was all it, exactly. Yeah. It was uplifting. Exactly. It was uplifting hip hop at the time. Mm-hmm. It was up. It was empowerment. But mm-hmm. now it's telling you it's, the truth. Yeah, now it's just it's all garbage. It's all uh, you know popcorn music and uh, it's all watered down. What do you think reality. of images? What do you think of images? I I asked another guest of another generation about that. I wanted you to talk about the imaging and the packaging and all the stuff that never used to happen with artists. Now you've got everything from no-clad women to pyrotechnics to I don't know what. And it used to be, you know, if I look at old, older clips of artists, they used to just get out there and sing. They used to get out there, play the drums or whatever they did, you know, uh, act. But now it seems it's all about the imaging and the marketing. How do you feel about that? I feel that's kind of sad because cause it, what, it, what happened is it took away the true artist. Everybody wanted something big and, 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 and exciting, but we all think the grass is greener on the other side. Right. You know, until you realize it. Now that's why you're asking this question because... We all wanted to see something, oh, it's got to be bigger than that, or we need uh, bigger lights, we need bigger this, we need bigger that. But then you start to you start to miss the little things that matter, like the voice of that person, <laughs> the actual voice. You don't even hear the voice anymore in the music. You're hearing auto-tune. You're hearing a lot of stuff like that. It's, 
it's not you're not even really like hearing the true voice of people anymore. They're they're basically using plugins to make these people sound like they can, you know, actually sing songs. And and that's something that I don't use. I just I go straight from the from the diaphragm, I guess. <laughs> you know. Right, right. And uh, I, the images, man, I, I just think that's that's where people took it. You know, they took it to that point, and now they're 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 out here lost in in a, a whole lot of false icons, you know, and, and sooner or later, you know, all of those will fade away because people will start to see the real. They'll see what's real and they'll, you know, you can see what's fake and what's not. Well, you know, you know that's why they want to go mentioning, You're mentioning icons. And we do, as a society, we put uh, a lot of stock in what we see on TV, reality, and otherwise. And people want to follow that. How do you feel about that uh, for our generation? That seems to be the big deal of reality TV and the celebrity in that whole thing. What do you think uh, of that? I, I feel that's, that's cool as long as it's a positive one. I mean, okay. you can't just, you can't. You know, you can't promote arguing on television and then expect, you know, somebody to follow that and not be doing the same thing. They're, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the blind leading the blind. Mm-hmm. You know, so you don't you don't want that. But uh, if it's it's something positive, hey, I'm all for it. As long as it's going to move everything in a positive direction as far as our future. I mean, because you got to think of these kids. I mean, if these kids are, are, are growing up to false prophets and, and, and false icons and, and all this negative belief, imagine what our lives is going to be like when, when I turn 90. Right. You know, are, are they going to love me? You know, I mean, I'm not talking about as an artist. I'm talking about as a human. As a human being, right. Yeah. I mean, if you got the kids right now angry, imagine what your future is going to be like when they come your age and you're, you know, 90 and can't, you know, do for you. I mean, what? how's your Social Security going to be? How's how's your security going to be? <laughs> right. Right, because I think we all have a... Uh, well, we're all responsible to a major degree for us outside of God. Exactly, exactly. I, I mean, mean, he gave, you, he you, gave know, you the knowledge and the tools to do that. Yeah, so, I mean, is. You, right. And we did you did you, did you realize that when you were homeless? That hey, wait a minute, I'm not on the right path here. This is not exactly. The way I'm this to be. is not the way it's supposed to be, and I don't have to bust anybody in the head to get out of it. I'll go wash some more cars, or right. I'll go work at the shoe store. It's a choice. You have that choice. But a lot of people just don't want to want to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. you know, that's basically how I think and, and, and how I want to uh, bring my music to the future. I mean, I want everybody to just see blue skies and puffy clouds. But, you know, the world isn't like that, so we have to give them reality at the same time. But I'm just trying to make a better day. I want to make... I'm gonna put a smile on everybody's face whenever I can, and and my own, and and my soul mainly. <laughs> and that's where you ha- that's where where it counts. You gotta you have to live with you. So you exactly. Know, and exactly. God God has you here for a purpose. So you know He'll get your attention sooner or later if you're not living living right. That's right. Wonderful. Well, I wanted in last 
basically to, you know, get on to what you're going to be doing. You say you've got this great Christmas tour and whatnot, and what's coming up for 2014? Uh, 2014 is basically me just doing a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, December, I got like a couple of private events. I mean, August, August of 2014. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty much booked up to that point, but I just really want to, I just want to take the time to start writing, mm-hmm. you know, my own material and, uh, right. just doing my own thing and, uh, producing a lot of the talent that I see around here in West Virginia and, mm-hmm. and all across America. Um, I just feel like I, I, I've been blessed with opportunity and doors have opened and, and I just want to, you know, reach back and, and pull a whole lot of people through that same door and, uh, mm-hmm. and go straight forward. Right. Well, that's beautiful. We're negotiating a, uh, Sydney, Australia and, and a European tour right now. That's basically what this whole Shanghai thing is going to boil down to. So mm-hmm. I just got to see what's going to happen from that. But, uh, and then I'm booked all the way up to the end of this year and all the way into February. But uh, if you want to catch up with what I'm doing, you can go to LandauMurphyJr.com. Mm-hmm. You can get your T-shirts, hats, or books, stickers, all that stuff, <laughs> CDs, CDs, everything. And uh, you can keep up with my current events. And you can follow me at uh, Landau Eugene Jr. on Twitter. And I'm also on Facebook. Beautiful. It's been great having you. Hey, it's a pleasure being here. <laughs>